Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Welcome back to another episode of Success That Lasts, a podcast from your friends at DeLap. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. So this is episode 50, kind of crazy. We started this whole thing before the pandemic, but then ultimately had to scramble, figure out how to host a podcast during a lockdown. It required some creativity, but we managed to figure it out and we persevered. 50 feels like a nice round number to take a purposeful pause and to reflect upon what we've learned along the way. I've been heavily influenced by Steve Blank's entrepreneurial teachings, the same teachings that educated and inspired Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup. He talks about the entrepreneurial process as a build, measure, learn process. And that's what we've done for the last 49 episodes. We publish an episode, we review the data, the downloads, we review the formal and informal feedback, we learn, we adjust, and we publish again. Sometimes it's a grind, but isn't that how continuous improvement really is? It isn't glamorous, and it isn't particularly fast, but it works. However, we're grateful for the listeners that have joined us along this learning journey and excited for the next 50 episodes. Starting a podcast has been a lot of fun, but it's been a humbling experience. It's required a lot of vulnerability, which has actually been great for me. Learning how to do anything new is always a little bit difficult. It's a lot more challenging when you're doing it on a public stage where your lack of experience and skill is impossible to hide. However, my desire to create original content that would help to create clarity and confidence for our clients was far greater than my desire to not look silly from time to time. But that's ultimately why DeLap exists. It is to create that clarity and confidence for our client decisions. We started the podcast as a way to support our clients in a new and different way. DeLap wants to be an integrated financial services firm that impacts people, not just tax returns, financial statements, and portfolios alone. DeLap's been serving owners, both business and real estate, since 1933. The podcast seeks to support owner wellness and owner family flourishing. More wealth is great. However, more wealth alone doesn't automatically create more flourishing. Thus, we've tackled a wide array of topics over the past year and a half. We've talked to a neuroscientist, a wealth psychologist, a PhD in organizational psychology, an estate attorney, a VP of complex gift at one of the country's largest donor advised funds, authors, tax experts, client experience experts, cybersecurity experts, and fourth generation leaders of companies with 3,500 plus employees and many, many, many more. We met so many incredible people. We've covered so much content in the pursuit of ideas and insights that would positively impact you, your family, and your business, financially and beyond. The first episodes certainly required a fair amount of skill development and growth, but they were a blast too. I learned so much from the process. 
It required a level of preparation, study, and ultimately stillness that was an unexpected gift from this exercise. In his book, Tribe of Mentors, author Tim Ferriss asked over 100 influential and accomplished individuals the same 11 questions and then published their answers. It was a fascinating structure to a book and one I certainly enjoyed reading. As I reflected upon one of the questions that he asked in the book and applied it to my own life, the question was, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I'd have to answer with the Abraham Lincoln quote, a capacity and taste for reading gives access to whatever's already been discovered by others. The second part of the answer would be a deep appreciation for stillness. Both of these habits were further refined and solidified as a result of this podcast. Here's the fun thing that I've discovered. The more we help out, the more successful we become. But we measure success in what it's done for the people around us. That's the real accolade. We hope this podcast has helped you. And if it has, don't keep it a secret. Share it with others. We'd love to see this community grow and expand its impact. While I agree with Leo Tolstoy's comments about reading when he says, I can't understand why some people can live without communicating with the wisest people that have ever lived on earth. Today, I wanted to reflect a little less on reading and a lot more about stillness. The ancient Stoic, Marcus Aurelius, on nearly a dozen occasions in his journal, the same journal that was later made into the book Meditations, speaks about reaching or achieving stillness. He writes about trying to be like the rock that the waves keep crashing over, the one that stands unmoved, and the raging of the sea falls still around it. Isn't that raging sea just like our modern life today? The hundreds of emails that we try to clear, the text messages that don't stop, the push notifications on our cell phones, the 24-7 news cycle, it's exactly like that never-stopping raging sea. What Marcus Aurelius knew about the importance of stillness thousands of years ago has been confirmed by empirical data in the research of neuroscientists today. What do I mean when I say stillness? Author Ryan Holiday defines it this way. Stillness is to be steady while the world around us spins, to act without frenzy, to hear only what needs to be heard. Stillness can be called a lot of different things. Some people often refer to it as mindfulness. There are a lot of similarities. You've likely heard this. The moment we're experiencing right now is a gift, and that's why it's called the present. Stillness is the key to thinking clearly, to seeing the whole chessboard, to making the tough decisions, to managing our emotions, to identifying the right goals, to handling high-pressure situations, to maintaining relationships, to building good habits, to being productive, to physical excellence, to feeling fulfilled, to capturing moments of laughter and joy, to being a better parent, a better artist, and a better human being, to unlocking all that we're capable of in this life. Billionaire Ray Dalio says meaningful work and meaningful relationships were and still are his primary goal in everything that he did then and does now. When you think about what is required to achieve meaningful work and meaningful relationships, wouldn't developing a stillness skill or habit help? Researcher Jonathan Haidt has pursued an understanding of happiness from a scientific approach. And ultimately, through his research, he discovered that love and work are to people what water and sunshine are to plants. Again, if love and work are to people what water and sunshine are to plants, wouldn't stillness then be a type of fertilizer that we can integrate into our life to create more flourishing? At this point, I could overwhelm you with statistics and studies about stress and busyness, but that seems so self-obvious today. 
I believe stillness can be an intentional antidote to the busy and stressful lives we're all living. Stillness isn't an excuse to withdraw from the affairs of the world. It's quite the opposite. It's a tool, a tool to let you do more good for more people. We must cultivate mental stillness to succeed in life and to successfully navigate the many crises it will inevitably throw our way. Again, revisiting Ryan Holiday's book, he likens stillness to what aims the archer's arrow. It inspires new ideas. It sharpens perspective and illuminates connections. Don't we all want more of that? To hit more of our targets, generate new ideas, and to see the world in new and powerful ways? Back in high school, I first read Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. Frankl was a neurologist, psychiatrist, and philosopher. He happened to be an author and a Holocaust survivor, too. If you haven't read his book, I can't recommend it enough. This was an incredible thinker. And he once said, Between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. I believe that in learning practicing, and pursuing stillness in my life has enabled me to start to experience that growth and freedom Frankl's talking about. Beyond just your personal life, stillness is a tool that can positively impact your business decisions, your business relationships, and your business strategy. It's a discipline that creates more clarity and deeper connections that might actually be invisible to others. So let's move past the conceptual into actual execution. How would you start to explore this topic of stillness within your own life? Let's start with a short but easy to implement list. We'll start with journaling. It's been said that you write to think, not think to write. There's a long list of greats throughout history that have experienced additional stillness through journaling. A gratitude journal or even the daily stoic journal are two easy ways to start in the practice of journaling. Another easy to implement idea is to take walks. Financial Nobel laureate Daniel Kahneman is famous for his walks. Kahneman walks more than just asserting his mobility. They're intentional, strategic, and they've yielded incredible tangible benefits. For starters, walking's enjoyable and it got him outside, away from the confines of his office. As we all have experienced, a change of scenery can make a bad day seem less crummy and big problems feel more manageable. From a physiological perspective, Walking leads to a slightly elevated heart rate, which stimulates mental activity. Kahneman has stated countless times that his best thinking occurs on walks. Another easy-to-implement idea, if not obvious, is to stop watching the news and getting caught in all the politics. If you wish to improve and enjoy some stillness, be content to appear clueless or silly in extraneous matters. The truth is, for so many Americans, the way they actually consume the news is a lot less about learning and a lot more about fueling and confirming existing beliefs. It's confirmation bias. Controlling the flow of facts to our minds, it's much like the way that Kim Jong-un controls the press in North Korea. The technical term for this in psychology is totalitarian ego, and its job is to keep out the threatening information to our existing beliefs. In that environment, Watching the news merely creates stress, noise, and steals the opportunity for stillness that we would all benefit from. Another stillness tactic is to seek solitude. Randall Stutman, for years, has been a behind-the-scenes advisor to many of the biggest CEOs and leaders on Wall Street. Actually, earlier this year, I started a coaching program with him and enjoyed it quite a bit. His organization once studied how several hundred senior executives of major corporations recharged in their downtime. The answers were something like swimming, sailing, 
long distance cycling, listening quietly to classical music, scuba diving, riding motorcycles, and fly fishing. All these activities have one thing in common, the absence of voices. If you're surrounded by others constantly, you're likely to think and act as they do. To be original, you have to spend time alone. To have peace, you need solitude too. Another stillness tactic is to read more. Heck, let's tackle this topic about stillness, and you should read Ryan Holiday's book, Stillness is the Key. Another tactic is to worry less. Let's look to the Bible on this one. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? The less energy we waste regretting the past or worrying about the future, the more energy we have for what's in front of us right now. So that concludes podcast episode number 50 on what we've learned and the power of stillness. The secret to getting ahead is getting started, and stillness is no different. Take an idea that we discussed today, put some time on your calendar, and begin to implement. If you've enjoyed the content from this week's podcast, be sure to give us a review or share with a family or friend that might enjoy the topic as well. We're always looking to expand our community and extend our impact. Before we sign off this week, I wanted to formally invite you to a virtual event that Delap is hosting on June 2nd at noon Pacific Standard Time. We'll link to the event in the show notes. We'll be joined by an economic researcher, speaker, and author, Larry Swedro, as we answer client questions surrounding inflation, national debt, and the potential for higher taxes. It should be both educational and entertaining, and you won't want to miss it. Well, that just about wraps it up. We'll be back next week with some more new content. And until we see you again, be well.